Hello, everyone. Welcome to the pop-up special edition of Building Sustainability, Art of Respect series, episode eight. This is Pili Aloha Estal, and with me is co-host Dennis Michael Broussard. Hello, Dennis Michael. Hey, Pili Aloha. Hello to you and hello to all of our listeners. As always, I'm excited to continue this journey on this Art of Respect series. Dennis Michael, I am really, really excited and honored for this special edition for an important awareness day for International Red Panda Day. Thank you so much for asking our honored guest to join us. It would be wonderful if you could do the introduction. I'm very happy to introduce Sanam Tasi Lama of the Red Panda Network. It's incredible to reconnect with an old friend who we haven't really connected in a while. And he was uh, one of the most helpful people, in fact, the most helpful person on one of my first, one of my earlier humanitarian trips uh, in Nepal in the eastern part. So I'm going to read about Sanam of the Red Panda Network. Sanam has been with the Red Panda Network since its beginning. He started by creating a library in his village on the edge of Red Panda's habitat and is now supporting conservation of Red Panda throughout its whole range in Nepal. In fact, Disney Conservation named him the Disney Conservation Hero in 2015 for his work in Red Panda Conservation in Nepal. And he was one of the nominees for the Future for Nature Award in 2019. He is the recipient of several prestigious scholarships and recently completed his Master's in Ecology and International Nature Conservation from both Lincoln University and the University of Göttingen in Germany after conducting one of the most comprehensive camera trapping studies in the Eastern Himalayas. He loves spending time writing and being with his family. And during a camera trapping study, Sanam and the team from the Red Panda Network were able to record a marbled cat for the first time in Nepal. Sanam's research was inspired and motivated by an American named Brian Williams for his work in the conservation of the Red Panda in Nepal. Brian is the founder of the Red Panda Network, and in 2007, Sanam became one of the founding staff members of the Red Panda Network in Nepal. Sanam is responsible for implementing field activities of the community-based Red Panda Conservation Program of the Red Panda Network in eastern Nepal. He mentors and supervises more than a dozen field staff and 70-plus citizen scientists known as the Forest Guardians. He was one of the most important members of the team who recently executed GPS collaring of 10 wild red pandas in eastern Nepal to better understand their ecology. Welcome, Sanam. So happy to have you on this podcast. Thank you, Dennis Michael and Pili Aloha. Welcome. This is my first time in a podcast interview. Oh, yay! (laughs) Yeah, and I want to say hi to everyone who is listening there. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, listeners are appreciating that. So thank you. And thank you again for joining us. Everyone will be excited to learn more about you and what the Red Panda Network does. So you have got quite an incredible background, Sanam. Can you maybe share with our listeners some of the more specifics of your work uh, with the Red Panda Network? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dennis, uh, Michael, I I wanted to start with the time with you in Nepal first. Uh, Sure, yeah, please. It, it was uh, it was five years back, right? I want to thank for coming here uh, for Red Panda and and uh, your support to the our schools in the rural villages. 
So we are very grateful to that one, and it was a really a wonderful moment to to be with you in a film because I'm missing Phil these days because I'm at Kathmandu now, and due to the current situation, I'm not able to go to Ilam or Tapizum or Pasta in our working areas in Eastern Nepal. So I, I wanted to start with that time. Just to give some background here, to a quick background, and I'll let you take over again, Sanam. Uh, in 2015, I guess, I, I went to Eastern Nepal and I got in touch with the Red Panda Network, and Sanam was my, my man on the ground. He brought me all the way out to Eastern Nepal near the Indian border, and uh, I was going out there specifically for to distribute educational supplies, teaching supplies, teaching equipment, and uh, Sanam took me to various places where we could acquire this stuff, and then did a, a, a short flight, I think, to Ilam, and then like a six-hour hilly Jeep drive through the mountains to get to these rural schools who were in dire, dire need of just just modern equipment, modern teaching supplies. Uh, it, it, it was quite the experience, and I owe it all to you, Sanam. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. So thank you again for coming coming at that time. Okay, then I will go with, uh, with my background now. Mm. Dennis Michael and Pliola. So, mm-hmm. so I I grew up grew up in a in a Eastern Nepal where Red Panda Network is working now, and it's a rural rural district. It's a far Eastern Nepal. So my district is connected to both India and uh, Tibetan part of China. So it's a it's a it's a mountain region. So I'm a village boy. So I I did my schooling in my in a community community school at my, at a remote village uh, which was which was 12 hours of walking distance from the nearest roadhead site at that time wow uh, and uh, i saw a bus or a truck uh, when i was uh, 12 years old uh, for the first time and i was able to ride that one and i did my schooling up to 8 grade 8 in my own village and for the Grade nine and ten, I had to hike for four hours. That was oh the nearest goodness. village, so I went there and I used to live there. And I, I used to I used to return back to my home during the weekend. So I did my schooling of grade nine and ten there. So after that one, and at that time in my village, uh, a project uh, came that was by WWF Nepal. And it was a Kanchanjunga conservation area project, and they were there to establish a conservation area because because that area was blessed with the snow leopard, red panda, and Himalayan black deer, uh, all endangered species, and and it has a very diverse kind of mammalian diversity and floral diversity, and it was a uh, it was a and we also have a old third highest mountain in the world that oh, is Kanchanjunga. Wow. So they got, uh, the the WWF Nepal together with the with the government of Nepal came there to establish that one that conservation area. So so at that time we were not about aware about any conservation values of uh, wildlife or uh, or plant species. So at that time when I was child, I saw that movement that uh, their activities. So I was attracted to conservation uh, by seeing their activities. So it was basically, I was inspired by the WWF Nepal. So I tried to explore how to be in conservation then. So after I finished my grade 10, 
I had to come to the uh, town to study something. So at that time in my villages, everyone was only studying uh, uh, humanities or uh, business, that kind of stuff. So, uh, so after I came to know about conservation, I tried to explore what kind of subject I do, uh, do I need to study to, to, to be involved in that kind of process because I was fascinated with their activities on the ground. So I came to know that there is a, there is a kind of subject like forestry. So, so I, 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 I get enrolled in that uh, education. And uh, after finishing that one, and I, I went back to, because that, that was the 11 and grade 11 in Tubal study. Uh, so I, after finishing that one, I went back to make my village and I was, uh, I was able to get some internship with the conservation area project. So that was my first job in conservation. So I was very delighted to be in the field in the further conservation of my own area. So that was my very first moment of conservation. So wow. after that one, um, I received a scholarship to study my bachelor's in forestry from WWF. Then, and uh, before that one, uh, uh, I get in contact with, uh, with, uh, with an American guy whose name is uh, Brian Williams. And, and he was, I, I read somewhere in the newspaper that Brian Williams, uh, a guy named Brian Williams is studying red panda in Elam district. And I was, uh, I was shocked and I tried to explore about the red panda. What is this? And, uh, and that guy, and why that American guy is here to study red panda in mm-hmm. our region? Because that, that part was our region, but we were not aware about that one. So, and after a few years, uh, he established the red panda network. And, uh, and I was really interested to work for the red panda conservation. So, so I was able to get in contact with him and we have some kind of uh, conversations. So, and Brian established Red Panda and he was able to do some uh, Red Panda conservation activities in Nepal uh, in 2007. So it was called the Red Panda Project at that time. So yeah, that was kind of a background, how mm-hmm. I get involved in the Red Panda uh, conservation. Yeah. <laughs> the research I've done so far on the red panda, there was already a need to study them. They were already threatened to become endangered. Was there a reason why he came to study them? Yeah. Um, yeah, Brian was uh, actually, he was, a, he was a community education resource volunteer in the Peace of Nepal. And he was uh, in, a, in a remote uh, district of Eastern Nepal for two or three years uh, to teach uh, science and math for the for the community school. So he was he learned Nepali when he stayed there. So he has a he he built a good rapport with the community people there. So so his contribution was great for that one. And uh, when he was uh, one day when he was traveling to uh, nearest uh, uh, city and not the city is a kind of uh, uh, center area. Uh, for uh, for the celebration of Christmas, so when he was uh, he was hiking along the track of um, track in the border between India and Nepal, and he heard about red panda. Someone posing about red panda. 
Uh, and when he came to know about that one, and he tried to look that one, and he tried to explore that one later, what is the panda and why people are posing that one. So after that, he came to know that it's an endangered species and, uh, and, and uh, it's a least studied animal in Nepal. And, and then he became interested on that one to study there. So after finishing his uh, volunteering in Nepal, he returned back to uh, United States. So uh, then he joined a master's degree in uh, uh, environment science. Uh, and uh, for his master's dissertation, he came back to Nepal oh, to study okay. that panda in, in the same district. So wow. and based on his study, uh, there was an uh, urgent need of uh, organization who is, yeah. uh, which one is dedicated for the red panda only. So, so he, he thought that one is very necessary because that one was a need at that time. So he came with idea of establishing the red panda network. Yeah. Listeners can look up the Red Panda Network and later on we'll ask you what are the best places to go to learn more so our listeners can help support and learn more about the network. But can you maybe give us a little bit of background? What are the biggest threats, even the current triumphs to the Red Panda? When did they become threatened and then into endangered? Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Pilula, for the questions. Uh, this, is, uh, this is really a good matter to know about, know to our listeners. People can go to our website, that's uh, redpandanetwork.org, and there is a resource section. Uh, so uh, we, have a, we have a research papers there just to know more about the Red Panda, and we also have a section called uh, Threats and Resources, so um, people can learn about uh, what are the current threats for Red Panda. And uh, if I have to talk about the, about the the research is done so far in red panda conspiracy. There have been a lot of done in the wild and in the zoos also. Uh, that's called ex situ conservation. And, and in, in, in situ conservation, we have uh, some resources, uh, papers, so people can learn about that one. Okay. So the if we have to talk about the biggest threats to red panda, that's definitely the, we all know that the, the biggest threats to biodiversity or anything are wildlife conservation is the we people we human beings yeah so so we are making chaos in everywhere so human is the biggest threat because mm-hmm. everything uh, that are listed as the threats to red panda conservation in nepal or throughout this range is directly linked with the human behavior <laughs> so and one of the biggest threat, threats is uh, uh loss of the habitat okay. uh because uh it is uh, uh, the the range of the, the habitat range of red panda is uh, in the Himalayan region. So, so people are scattered uh, in the different mountain regions. So they have to co- rely on the forest resources for mm-hmm. their livelihood, right? And and uh, there is a kind of uh, uh, of uh, livestock uh, free grazing, open grazing kind of livestock ranching practices in the mountain. So that one is also creating pressures to the red panda habitat because the livestock and the, and the red pandas share the same habitat. So, and, uh, and we have now, now uh, uh, different kind of development activities going on in the mountain. Region. So 
we wanted to build a better road, uh, but and we wanted to build hydropowers and and uh, so on. So, but uh, that is okay. But the biggest problem is our development model is not sustainable uh, because the the builders are not practicing the sustainable way of development. Mm-hmm. So that is another another threats. And uh, if I have to talk about the uh, current uh, second biggest threats in Nepal for the red panda is the poaching and okay. its illegal trade. And people are still doing that. The fact when you hear people poaching, I have no words when I hear that anywhere in the world. Is there a reason why? Is it a traditional thing? Is it just because? Is it the fur? What is it? I, I just can't understand. Yeah, 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 clearly, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, it's a very heart-wrenching uh, kind of thing, uh, but it's happening. And it's not connected with any kind of cultural cultural uh, thing. Uh, it's just a rumor that people are thinking that they can sell the red panda hides in a high prices, oh but goodness. it's all rumor. Yeah, we, we don't have any kind of market. We don't have any kind of uses of red panda pelts. And uh, so people are following that one in humans. So uh, we did a little research on, on the illegal trade of red panda pills in Nepal. So, okay. uh, so, it's, uh, uh, so the results shows that it, around 10 red pandas are killed every year. But that's, uh, that's only the tip of an iceberg because there could be so much uh, uh, higher than that one in the, in the real scenario. And the uh, people involved are between the age of 20 to 40. So all people are, almost 50% of the involved people are young. So there's a lack of awareness, definitely. And this is just me wanting to know more because you're a conservationist. And I know once you're in that world and understanding poaching and conservation and habitat, like you said, human behavior, humans, period, are the biggest threat. And obviously working on different projects to help protect habitat is really important. But obviously for me, poaching just is so hard to understand. How do animals get listed as valuable when they're not? I guess that's what I'm very curious about. That might be a different topic later. We can maybe have you on later and talk about. But like you said, they're not valued for high price. So does somebody make it up? Mm-hmm. Does, <laughs> just, right, right, right. you know, I don't know. It's, it's just, it breaks my heart. It doesn't make sense. And, and I know that's not, it, it does just something that we're not sure what creates that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a definite uh, a matter of questions because that's also depend on people's, right? Uh, people are, if people are using that one and they are demanding, they will definitely pay more. So, so it shouldn't be that one, but it's happening. Uh, there, there might be some, some market in the wall, so they are demanding. But in the case of Red Panda, um, uh, when we did the research, so we, we, we didn't find anything, anything connected with that kind of... Uh, like if we talk about the tiger skin or tiger bones, yeah, we can read about it and, and that travels from Africa to Southeast Asia mm-hmm. or somewhere in a very long distance. So, and, and the people 
tell that uh, they have they can they can worth uh, high prices. But in the case of red panda, we didn't find any clues that the the skins are going out of Nepal and and they are making big monies. So so our our uh, conclusion was that uh, it's only the rumor. So people mm. are poaching red panda; they can get higher prices. Then I'm assuming if people are caught, they're fined. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before that one, uh, I will again talk about the battle because in terms of the ecological and in terms of the uh, the contribution that red panda made, it's really valuable, right? But in terms of I was talking about the monetary value, people can benefit from that one. And uh, in Nepal and all the rain states in red panda habitat, uh, the the fine for uh, doing uh, illegal trade or poaching of red panda is very high. Uh, in Nepal, uh, if someone is caught uh, dealing with the red panda skin, they will be uh, they will be taken into prison for up oh. to fifteen years. Oh wow! And they have to yeah, and they have to pay around one million Nepali rupees. So it, so the the policy or the the act the law law part is quite strong in Nepal. Oh wow, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well, what that's, I, that's what I was gonna ask you, Sanam, is like what is what are the criminal implica- implications of poaching or, or hunting these animals? Um, so I'm glad that Pili Loha asked that because I was I was curious about how severe it was and it sounds like it's pretty severe. Yeah uh, in terms of the number of uh, number of records for years, around ten red panda skins. Uh, that doesn't sound high, but in the case of red panda, it's really high. And yeah. uh, in in the real scenario, it could be it could be much higher than that. Yeah. And uh, if we talk about the population of red panda in Nepal, it's around. Uh, it's not. Um, it's very, really hard to estimate the population of red panda in the wild. But uh, the uh, one of the one of the works of done in Nepal that was based on the expert uh, consultation uh, agreed that there will be around one thousand red pandas in Nepal. And if there is one thousand red pandas in Nepal and ten red pandas per year is really high. Really. Um, high. Yeah. Yeah. Do they have an estimate about? the original, let's say, natural population of, and I know that's a hard question when I talk to different conservationists with different habitat, but is there an estimate of what a really good thriving population would be? And then maybe if you can talk about some of the positive, maybe some of the triumphs, if there's a rebuild, if there is, I always want to try to learn some of the positives of the work you're doing on rebuilding the habitat. Yeah, uh, the IUCN has estimated around the, the the global population of red panda in the wild is less than ten thousand. So it's it's in the endangered uh, list now, and uh, we are trying very hard to maintain corridors uh, between the red panda habitat in Nepal uh, to connect uh, different uh, uh, fragmented patches uh, because we did yeah. a study of red panda distribution in Nepal in 2016. And and we came to know that uh, there are 25 districts in Nepal. We have 77 districts in Nepal altogether. So mm-hmm. 
25, uh, 20, 20, uh, 24 of them has a red panda habitat. So uh, now we are working in 10 different districts, red panda habitat districts now. And uh, their habitat is uh, fragmented into more than 400 different patches. Oh. That means uh, they are not connected. No. And we need, the, we need their habitat connected yes, to, yes. to get a viable population of red panda. Yes. So yeah, it will be secure for a long term. So now we are focusing on maintaining that kind of, connecting that kind of corridor. Okay. And uh, we, we, we have a campaign called Plant a Red Panda Home okay. uh, that was started last year in 2019. And uh, on that camping, we do establish forest conservation nurseries. And uh, we also purchase uh, private lands in between that kind of uh, oh, okay. public lands. So, and after uh, purchasing that kind of land, we restore with the local community forest. So that is our main, wow. uh, our main project for now. So we are, we are getting, we are putting our efforts on that project now. So the corridors are very, very important. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Corridors are very important to, to the free movement of the okay. pandas so they can interact with each other. The corridor is something that a lot of people are starting to realize what that means. It's communities of pandas, but then they interact within those communities and then they thrive with those corridors. So thank you for explaining that. Uh-huh. So, uh, Sanam, how long have they been on the endangered list? They have been in endangered list uh, since 2015. Uh, 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 with the, late, the latest IUCN assessment was done in 2015. And uh, before that one, from 2008 to 2015, it was on the vulnerable list. And it's, um, yeah, in, from 2015, it was uh, downgraded to the endangered list. And then you were mentioning there's one other project that you're working on. Is there a goal right now to get them back into a good number? Is there a goal that seems attainable? Yeah, if we maintain the corridors and habitat red panda connected, uh, that will definitely help us to achieve more. And we are also focusing on the areas that uh, that has some transboundary significance, like connect, uh, like the two different habitats between India and Nepal. So, oh wow! Okay. So in some part of the some part of the habitat, the Indian habitat has a very good protection system because they have a, a national park there. So our is uh, near to the settlements. Yes, Dennis Michael know that because he, mm-hmm. he was there in the field in Elam. Uh, so we are focusing on that kind of habitat to maintain the, the corridor, corridor between uh, critical habitats. And Dennis Michael, you've seen a red panda? I I have only seen them in zoos, including our own San Diego Zoo, who actually does work with the Red Panda Network, but I have not seen one in the wild. I would love to go back just to uh, just to go on one of their uh, Red Panda treks and observe them in the wild. Do you guys still do that, Sanam? Yeah, yeah, we, we are still doing that one, Red Panda Eco Trips, and we run around five Eco Trips a year. Uh, and this year we we are we we are not able to do 
conduct the refund eclipse due to the COVID situation. But sure. we are looking forward to resume that one in 2021. I'm excited to about the idea to go back and uh, join you guys on one of those Panda Red Panda Eco trips. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I would love to welcome um, Dennis Michael and Philio Loha yes. to, the, to see Red Panda. <laughs> uh, Red Panda is uh, so cute, so cute, one of my favorite animals. Do you do the tracking while you do the eco tours? Yeah, we have a citizen scientists in the in the in the villages, and we call them forest guardians. They are really trained to track red pandas, and they their role is to monitor red pandas uh, and and report us what is going on there. So it has been very effective uh, kind of uh, uh, conservation model because we follow the community based red panda conservation. So. If we talk about the current situation and uh, there is no one, uh, we are not able to go to the field and the law enforcement is really uh, not effective at this situation. So our forest guardians are in the field, in the red panda habitat. So they are taking care of the uh, red panda habitat. So there is, uh, so we don't have any kind of um, bad reports so far. So they are really good at tracking red pandas. And when someone comes to see a red panda, uh, they will go to the forest and they will search red panda, track them, and they will. So they are they're kind of natural guide too. Yeah. Have these trips been getting increasingly popular? I mean, pre-COVID times. Yeah, it was it was getting popularity because uh, there are mm, yeah every year we are getting a higher number of people coming here to see red pandas and they, because they wanted to contribute. They don't come here to uh, only to see the red pandas, but they also wanted to contribute to the red panda conservation. So if someone comes here to see a red panda, see our uh, experience local culture in the mountain, and they are uh, directly or indirectly also contributing to the red panda conservation by putting their money. So that's a kind of uh, positive part of that one and we also have had a full bookings for the this year but we are uh, definitely we cannot uh, we cannot conduct the ecotips this year so we are really looking forward for the good situation next year i imagine that these trips are getting more and more popular because there's more and more awareness of red pandas it's probably not that long ago where people didn't know what it was but uh they're becoming very popular on social media and in fact there's a uh, what what's coming up? What's what we all should be excited about is the International Red Panda Awareness, uh, which is usually the third Saturday in September, uh, International Red Panda Day. Uh, what does this mean for for Red Panda Network and and uh, in terms of respect, you know, and, and the theme of the show? Uh, what does it mean for your organization, and how do you res- uh, view respect in terms of this awareness? Right. We started the uh, International Red Panda Day to celebrate, to 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 reach to the greater uh, greater uh, audiences, uh, to tell them about the importance of red panda conservation, importance of uh, other values of red pandas. So, so it's basically creating an awareness and support for red panda conservation, and definitely. Uh, it will respect the uh, the the right to live of animals or red pandas. So it, it's basically uh, respecting uh, all the slides. 
So we wanted to create mass awareness uh, and this this International Red Panda Day falls in the third Saturday of September every year. Wow. And we always celebrate this one uh, throughout the throughout the third week of September. So we started from oh, okay. uh, yeah, last Sunday and we'll continue until this Saturday. Uh, and a lot of uh, Jews around the world and a lot of uh, conservation organizations and, uh, and schools. Uh, and there we have uh, Red Panda Eco Clubs or Red Panda Roots and Swiss Groups. They come together to celebrate this one and they organize different environmental awareness uh, awareness uh, programs. So, but wow. this year we are confined to the virtual event. Uh, mm -hmm. So we are mostly doing the virtual thing one. So, uh, so the listeners who are listening this podcast, please join us to uh, celebrate Red Panda Constant Day, and you can you can see on our Facebook or other social media. And the website for the details, we have a lot of uh, virtual events lined up. And I will start pushing out information about this special edition so people can start to look at all the social media going out. So we'll start to push information before this goes out on the actual Red Panda Day. But when is the virtual event? Are you doing a couple of them? The virtual event is uh, next uh, Saturday on the day of uh, International Red Panda Day. Okay. Uh, there, yeah, there will be virtual events with the different Jews that are supporting our okay. in situ conservation in the field. When did they designate International Red Panda Day? We'll help get that information out to social media and then obviously our listeners before it goes out, obviously, because that'll help you. Uh, it has been one decade. Uh, so last year was a, was, a, was a 10th International Red Panda okay. Day and this one, is the, this one is the 11th. Our listeners can go to the, our website and they can also, also do a fundraising for our Red Panda Conception work there. There is a, there is a link. Uh, where you can get information about the virtual events and on the same you will find a link to to do some fundraising platform so so it will be very helpful what can we do to help you and support you in your efforts and for the red panda the best thing is uh, creating awareness if you learn about the uh, red panda or if you are listening for the first time about the plight of red panda and just um, just spare your uh, message to other your friends or families or, or your students or your colleagues so so they will know about the the current situation with panda and they can spread so everyone knows that one and that will get a positive impact to our society so you can follow us uh, follow our social medias in facebook instagram or twitter and uh, um, and you and you can get What's the, uh, we always up, get updates uh, there from the field. So what we are doing in the field, we will, uh, we will, we will put on that uh, update. So you can know about that one. And if you really like that one, it's worthwhile. So you can contribute us. And there are, there are certain ways of contributing our work. You can contribute to our forest guardian program. My daughter wants to adopt a red panda. She already picked out the one last night as we were researching. So she's already picked one. We learned how you pick them, but they're hard to track. And But what I found so fascinating on your website is the map that shows you the decrease of the habitat. Once you realize the amount of habitat that has been decreased 
and that impact on the red panda, it really just breaks your heart. So obviously we encourage everybody to go to your website, follow you on social media. You guys are great about informing everybody, teaching everybody, and that's what I love. I learned so much just in the past day and a half just about all the work you're doing. And I love that because it really helps you to understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. Thank you for doing research. And uh, I want to thank your daughter too. I think it's amazing. And I know, Dennis Michael, I'm assuming that you wish you were going there right now to go back because obviously we haven't been traveling that much. And we got to talk a little bit about his trip there. But is there anything that would be helpful for our listeners from you, Dennis Michael? And as far as traveling there, when we can travel again, what do you recommend? Obviously, the eco trips are amazing. It sounds like you're encouraging people if they want to participate in the conservation to come there, to learn, to travel, uh, to experience it. Sounds like that is encouraged in your situation. Yeah, Nepal's a pretty incredible country. And uh, a lot of people go there for the the Himalayas and and just hiking the mountains. Uh, It's a beautiful nature. uh, But it's great to know that they also have these eco trips. Like you have to go out to a pretty far corner of Nepal but it's, it's, it's worth it. Uh, yeah, I would love to be going back over there. I'd love to be celebrating Red Panda Day in Nepal, but uh, I, I'll, 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 I'll settle with going to the San Diego Zoo and visiting our Red Panda over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would love to welcome you, welcome both of you in you here. Please come one day, and that will be a very exciting moment to go to the field with you guys. And thank you, Pili Aloha and Tennis Michael for... Uh, thinking about me and Red Panda Network, uh, we, uh, I'm really honored to be the part of this uh, this podcast. And uh, thank you so 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 much. Well, hopefully, maybe next year we can come and visit. And and please just let us know, share as much as you can about the progress, and and we'll do follow ups with you. And and thank you so much. I know you have a busy week, so thank you for taking the time and. And being on here, because I know, obviously, your work right now is to help grow that awareness. Just kind of repeat that sentiment back to you, Sanam. We're very happy and pleased to have you on here. And I just wanted to give one more uh, to any of the listeners who wanted to catch the websites. We're under redpandanetwork.org. And you can follow any of the social media, like Facebook, just by putting in Red Panda Network. For International Red Panda Day on Saturday, the virtual event, do you show some of your tracking, how that works? Is there any kind of show and tell as far as videographers that will follow your treks? Um, not that kind of. Maybe we are. We will be releasing one video that, that was uh, about uh, coloring, GPS coloring of red pandas last year. Okay. And that will show our field activities. Uh, <gasps> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How we how we color them, how we take care of the safety measures of the red pandas, and and so on. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, in the in the when it was a uh, normal days before, we used to take our red panda roots and shoots group students to the field to the red panda habitat to teach them about the, the real. Um, red panda thing so it used to be like that but this year we don't have any kind of yeah field activities yeah and uh we we are confined to the virtual events and okay. this saturday this saturday from 6 a.m to 12 p.m 
we have a virtual events uh, set up with the uh, northern parks that's from sweden that's a zoo <gasps> and paradise okay. pa- yeah, paradise park uh, england at 7 am the pacific time wow and john ball zoo that's 10 am pacific time and arkan zoo that's 11 am uh, pacific time and that's that one with the san diego zoo is 12 pm pacific time and i'm going to try to talk dennis michael into becoming a master videographer cuz he pretty much can do anything and so we can come there next year <laughs> so hopefully we can do a live trekking eco trip and follow them next international red panda day i think i'm just so enamored by the work you do so i i i'm sorry dennis michael if i keep talking but i just please just anything enjoy have such a wonderful rest of your week enjoy uh the celebration of the red panda we just hope we can help spread the word yeah thanks for all you do sanam thank you to and thank you to the entire red panda network they are my favorite animal and uh, i'm i'm glad that there are people like you who are keeping them safe Yeah, yeah, thank you Dennis Michael and Pilioloha for having us in this um important podcast series. Tell your team thank you and I know you have a pretty big field team so tell them thank you for all the work they do please. Sure sure I will I will. Thank you so much. We'll be in touch. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thanks Anam. Thanks Anam. Thank you Dennis. Thank you Pilioloha.